Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Pierre-Alexander Fournier. He's a CEO at Hexoskin, a wearable health sensors and AI company making a difference in healthcare. He's an entrepreneur, designer, scientist, and co-founder of the company, and they basically do wearable body metrics. It's the leading smart clothing and AI company for performance, prevention, personal health, research, and medicine. Since 2006 with Hexoskin, Pierre had the chance to work with professional trainers, doctors, health researchers, sports scientists, space scientists, and many other amazing people to develop wearable health sensors and smart clothing. It will change the way we take care of our health and the health of the ones we care about. And so with that, I want to just welcome Pierre to share his thoughts on on what they're doing with the company, where the industry's going on wearables and artificial intelligence. So Pierre, big thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. So what did I leave out in your intro that maybe you want to share with the listeners? Well, I, I think you've, you've said a lot. So what Hexaskin does uh, mainly is, is connecting uh, people, patients with professionals so that they can, patients can record what happens with their health when they're not in clinical settings in the lab or at the doctor's office and um, then share it with the people who help them take care of their health. And we do that in many different ways. I think that one very important problem that we solve is uh, how do you do long-term vital signs monitoring at home or outside an hospital or at work or during any real-life activity by opposition to the the artificial context that is the doctor office or the hospital. Yeah, you know, and it seems, Pierre, that we're going into a realm of healthcare today where monitoring patients at home is becoming more of a thing. So the rise of wearables and, and how we do this monitoring vitals outside of the acute care setting is becoming more and more of a topic. What would you say well, firstly, before we dive in further, what got you into the, the business, you know, healthcare and wearables? Well, it's, it's related to what you were just saying is that we, we started the company in 2006. And what we saw was that, well, the population was aging. It is still aging. And because of that, there's a huge need for better care at home where costs are lower. And also the, the aging of the population brings new challenges to the medical community. By that, I mean that the hospital system has been built mostly for, for acute care, for infections, for uh, injuries. And what we have now, uh, the, the need for medical care is more related to chronic care, diseases related to aging. So things that are not acute and short term, they are more uh, chronic and long term. And for that, well, the, the hospital system is not well adapted to so we need, we need new tools. We need to change the way we look at medicine and how we give people access to medical services. And, uh, well, technology is part of the solution. Well, so. I think it's uh, super important work that you're up to. So what would you say needs is an example? You know, obviously the, the hot topic is chronic long-term, taking care of these patients. What would you say your company is doing differently that's helping solve for this problem? 
we are very patient focused, meaning uh, how do we design monitoring tools that are socially acceptable, are convenient to use, are simple to use. Ideally, the product we develop, the products we develop are as simple to use as a light switch or a toaster or a microwave. You know, these things are very, very simple to use. You can use them even if you don't know how to read. You can use them even if you have bad short-term memory. So it should be like that for medical tools at home as well. So for monitoring tools. So that's what we've done when we've developed the, the, the Hexaskin smart shirts for vital signs monitoring. At first, it, it was not a shirt, actually. It, was, uh, it looked more like a traditional device that you would find in an hospital with wires and stickers and a big box to record the whole thing. And then we, we, we saw that people would, would not wear these devices over the long term, and maybe for a few days, but not for a few months or it's never going to be part of a normal life. So we, we, we looked at different design options and then it became a smart shirt because we wanted to measure the activity of organs in the upper body. Well, the, the, a smart undershirt that you can wear under a dress shirt or a tank top for women that women can wear under their clothes. But suddenly the, the device becomes invisible, it becomes part of, part of your life. And basically, if the patient knows how to put on a shirt and how to charge a battery, they can use the system. I think that's something very important that we do as a company at Hexaskin is designing tools that are, uh, that are easy to use for patients and that are socially acceptable and that can fit in a normal life. Well, I think it's uh, very interesting. And just taking a look at the, at the capabilities of the shirt, monitoring things like ECG, heartbeat, HRV, QRS events, heart rate recovery, breathing rate. You guys are, are measuring a lot here. And so it'd be interesting to hear from you some of the specifics, maybe, maybe a, a particular example of how the shirt was used by an individual or, or an organization to improve outcomes. Yeah, so with the smart shirts and then the software that we have to collect data and organize it, what we have basically is a remote vital signs monitoring platform, and it's been used in many different contexts. I'm going to give you two examples where it was particularly useful, I think. One was for a clinical trial for a rare disease that was done in the U.S. And one of the problems they had is that the disease was so rare that just to have 20 or 30 participants, they needed to recruit patients across six different sites, so six different cities in the U.S. And these patients, well, it's a chronic disease. It's a, it's a disease that you, you have like from the time you're born until, until the end. So how do you monitor people on six different sites and, and at home? And how do you equip them so that they can collect all the data? And we've helped them set up the operations and they, they, they could use the system to collect data from all these people in different locations. I think connected health tools are very well adapted to a situation like that. And it's an example where you can provide monitoring even if the people are not in the same city. Um, sure. Another example is uh, we've run uh, a study um, for um, cardiac patients uh, going through cardiac rehab at home. Cardiac rehabilitation is, a, is probably the best thing you can do with a cardiac patient post-acute care? Well, a lot of people think, and I'm among them, that 100% of 
or almost all patients who have some kind of cardiac intervention should go through a cardiac rehabilitation program. Problem is 80% of the patients don't follow uh, such a program because uh, most of them are implemented within the wall of an hospital or dedicated facility. Uh, so the, it's really hard for older patients, especially to get to the facility and follow the program. So the compliance rate is usually not very great. So what we've done is that we've designed a, a program where the, the patients had to do exercises at home and they would follow the, the cardiac rehab program at home. And uh, basically we had, we had a compliance rate that was almost 100% among these patients. So almost all of them finished the program, which is a great outcome. And I think this is something we should replicate at scale now. We're, we're ready to do that. That's excellent and exciting. So as, as we think about approaches that we could take to improve healthcare, to continue monitoring patients, helping them understand past, present, future. This type of technology, folks, is, is something that, that uh, you all should consider. So as, as you think about the things that haven't worked, Pierre, what would you say is, uh, is one that stands out that you guys learn most from? I'm not going to talk about a specific project we had, but I would say we had failures uh, sometimes. And all of these times, it was because we tried with our partner, because we always start projects with our clients or partners. Yep. We tried to start the project too fast without proper planning, training, and support. So basically, it's like, it's like you have an office and people uh, use typewriters. And then you, you try to throw computers at them and, and you, you think, well, if this is going to increase productivity. You know, computers are good, but you don't do proper planning, training and support. Well, it's, it's going to fail. People are going to make mistakes. Some, some of the people are not going to be able to use the equipment. I think it's the same thing with any new tool that you use or any new process. It's not even, it doesn't have to be technology. You know, every time you you try to change the way people work. If you don't do it with proper planning, with proper training and support during the project, well, you're, you're setting up yourself for failure. I think it's a great call out at that preparation and is, is certainly key. Thanks for sharing that, Pierre. What, what would you say one of the proudest moments you've had with the company thus far is? Well, we, we've had many proud moments, like the, the time when we, we launched uh, our monitoring system to the space station last uh, December. That's pretty cool. It was very fun for the team. But I think the proudest thing that we've built is that we've, we've decided early on to open the platform, meaning that we thought, well, if we are going to collect health data about people, well, this data should be able to flow and people should have access to their own data. So we've built an open data API. We've built features so that people can download data, export it to other software for analysis. And because of that, we grew a research community around the platform that is uh, active and, and publishing papers using the platform. And, and it's really hard to get published. It's really hard to publish papers. It can take you know, years to complete a study and then years to publish. So we're really proud that now we have, we have over 70 papers published with the platform. And there's a new one almost every week. And uh, there are hundreds of researchers using the tools that Hexaskin provides to do health research in many different fields. So, so I'm, I'm really proud of that because I feel that we're doing something to help the scientific community advance its knowledge of different medical conditions uh, using our platform. 
And I think this is very important. That's really neat. It's sort of a, was that an intended effect or a decision or is that something that you just kind of stumbled into and said, wow, this is a good way to add value? Well, we, we thought it was a good idea to be open, but I, I think the, the answer from the research community uh, exceeded our expectation. There's far more research being done with our tools than we thought and for things that we didn't think about you know, yeah. at all. That's great. Oftentimes, getting in the game, staying in the game, and it's amazing what happens, the applications that you find to help the, the people you wanted to help sometimes turn into the things that you didn't even expect, right? But you're responding to the market. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we're, we're very focused on, on chronic cardiac disease and chronic pulmonary disease, we, uh-huh. our platform and our tools. But now we've had papers published about people with addiction to alcohol. Huh. We had papers published on how to better design cities for seniors. So where they, they put these shirts on, on, on seniors and, and, and they, they tried to find the places in the city where it was most stressful to them. Yeah. We've had a paper published about the workload of artists at different shows from Cirque du Soleil. So you have these performers at the Cirque wearing the shirts under their costumes and the researchers are collecting data about them to better understand how to prevent injuries during their performance. It's amazing. <laughs> oh man, that's so cool. From Cirque du Soleil to the space station to designing cities for seniors, totally, totally interesting routes that the technology has taken. And so what would you say is the most exciting project you guys are working on today? Well, we were pushing, well, not pushing, we're, we, we've been developing different programs for people with cardiac disease and people with uh, COPD, so chronic pulmonary disease. And I'm, I'm particularly excited by, by what we do with COPD because there, there are a lot of tools for cardiac monitoring, but there's not many things that were developed to monitor breathing in general and for COPD in particular. And it's, it's, it's a huge problem. Uh, COPD patients get hospitalized a lot. It makes you disabled. And, and if it's not well managed, it can go down very fast. So we've been working with different researchers in Canada, in the US, uh, in the Netherlands. So working with COPD patients, trying to find uh, new digital markers of COPD to better understand the progression of the disease and detect and predict acute care events. So, for example, if we, if we could predict a few days in advance that a COPD, patient, a COPD patient is at risk of being admitted to the hospital, well, we can do an intervention, intervention that is less expensive and that would lead to better outcomes for, for the patient. And like, like for cardiac patients, what we want ideally is that if the patient needs to come back to the hospital, we'd like him or her to be able to to take a cab to go to the hospital and have an appointment instead of taking an ambulance and go to the ER. So I'm really excited by, uh, by what we're doing for, for these patients, but especially for COPD patients, because what we've developed with Hexaskin is basically a halter monitor for the lungs. And, and I think it fills a gap that was very important for the hundreds of millions of patients who have a COPD today. 
I think it's fascinating and, and outstanding that you guys have developed this. And so folks, if you want to get some more information on, on the folks at Hexoskin, go to hexoskin.com. That's where they keep all the, the info on their shirts, the things that they've been up to, their research, AstroSkin, a lot of the things that, that they're up to, but definitely a, a fascinating place to, to get the info that you want on them. And we'll also put their link in our show notes. So uh, Pierre, this part of the podcast, we're almost at the end here. We're going to do a lightning round. So I got a couple questions for you with, that you'll respond with some quick answers and then a place where you could recommend a book to the listeners. You ready? Okay. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I, I think it's education, really. Um, population education, educate the kids, basically. <laughs> start uh, education programs at school and, and start uh, education programs for uh, older people as well. What's the biggest mistake to avoid? I think it's uh, medical practice is so complex. I think it's to uh, never, never stop learning and... and Always be curious about people who think differently about what you should be doing with patients. I think it's what you should do. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I would say look for best practices elsewhere. I think there's a lot of good knowledge and good experiences in, in healthcare that are not being reproduced. And I think that's a, that's a low-hanging fruit for most organizations to just Look what's happening in other other organizations within the same country or in other countries and try to find ways to improve care and learn from other people's experience. What's one area of focus that drives everything at Hexoskin? Uh, well, I think it's putting the patient first. You know, always think about the patient and always think about the, the people who work with the patient. And, you know, how can, how can we um, help the family, help the patient with his or her condition? How can we help providers help the patient? But it's, it's always about taking care of that, that person, that very special person that is a, at the middle of everything that we do. Love that. And uh, these next two are, are more on a personal note, Pierre. What is your number one health habit? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I, I think <laughs> it's very simple. It's uh, try to sleep well, eat well, stay active, and it doesn't have to be... Uh, intense training it's just make sure every day that you you walk you move so mm -hmm. it i think health is very very simple it's doing these normal things of sleeping normally eating normally love that do you wear a a, a hexoskin shirt well not every day but I've, <laughs> i think i'm very fortunate because i have set more than seven years of vital science data regular vital science data if something happens to me i can look back at the data and, and understand where the problems started. Irregularity happened, right? Fascinating. That's cool. And how about uh, your number one success habit? Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I think it's, it's related to health in, on one side, like sleeping well, eating well. Also, you know, making sure you, you have time for family, time for friends. It's these very, very simple things. That I think it's time for yourself uh, too. Oh, that's so key. Love that. It's easy to lose track of time. And then before you know it, you haven't done anything for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So what book would you recommend to the listeners? Yeah, that's a tough one because there's so many books and I love to read. 
But if you're looking at innovation in healthcare, I would say any book from uh, Dr. Eric Topol is relevant. Probably the last ones are more relevant or the books about connected health from uh, Joe Bedar at the Partners Healthcare. These books were very insightful to me because they, they tell you a lot about different experiences that were done with digital health and connected health. And it's not just about the successes. It's about also the various outcomes that you get when you implement these things differently. Love it. Some great recommendations. Folks, you could get all of the show notes, a full transcript of our discussion with Pierre-Alexander Fournier on outcomesrocket.health. Just go to the website and type in Hexoskin and you'll be able to find it there. So before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought, Pierre, and uh, the best place for the listeners could continue the conversation with you. I think one thing that we should be thinking about uh, today to improve access to healthcare and to control costs is to, we should think about how, how can we keep patients empowered? How can we transfer the knowledge they need uh, to be empowered and, and redirect them to the right resources to understand what's going on with their health? And it can be very hard now because people have access to Google and sometimes, sometimes they get great education online and sometimes they go to these I would say weird websites that make them believe things that are really, really wrong. So how do we keep patients knowledgeable and empowered? How can we involve families in care to keep patients at home and and healthier as much as possible? I think these are great questions uh, that we should all be asking ourselves. And technology is part of the solution, but it's not the whole thing. I think it's mostly education. And I think if you do both, so if you use education and counseling in the right way, and then you use the technology tools to support that, I think you can really improve the way people have access to healthcare. It's a great, great call out there, Pierre. And so with that, uh, just want to give you a big thanks. Um, If the folks want to continue the conversation, hexoskin.com, anywhere else you would invite them to reach out or is that the place? Uh, that's the place and they can write uh, they can write us an email at contact at hexaskin.com and we have a whole team of people uh, ready to to support them with their projects and uh, help them with different research protocols or care protocols outstanding well pierre big thanks for spending time with us definitely an insightful review of of what's happening and wearables and uh, non-acute vital signs monitoring and really, really appreciate the time that you spent with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.